and welcome to this month's episode of Women in Foreign Policy. I'm Ashley, one of your hosts. I'm a foreign policy practitioner working in Washington, D.C. And I'm Annika, your other host. I'm a graduate student in Geneva, Switzerland. And right now, you are listening to the monthly podcast of the Women in Foreign Policy Organization, where each month, Ashley and I discuss a different topic related to foreign policy careers and professions. This episode continues our series on professional development, which you may have listened to over the past two months. We covered professional development organizations in December, and last month we talked about mentorship and sponsorship. The January episode on mentorship has been one of our most popular ever, so definitely if you missed that one, go back and listen. I got so much out of it personally. I know Annika has said she got a lot out of it. I think it's just a really important topic that maybe doesn't get as much discussion as it should. This month, we're going to talk about networking. In the months ahead, we'll talk about the transition from school into the sort of working world and what it's like to transition from being a student to being a professional. And we'll also be talking about public speaking and serving on panels. Though, if you have any other ideas or questions about professional development or kind of anything in this realm you want to hear us discuss, feel free to find us on any of our social media and let us know what you want to hear. And now, before we dive into hearing from the incredible women who work in foreign policy and diversity and inclusion, who we have here for you today on this episode, we, as normal, want to give them a chance to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Miranda Melcher. I'm a PhD student at King's College London, where I research how to rebuild militaries after civil wars. Uh, My name is Hilary Stauffer. I currently live in Baghdad, Iraq. I work for the United Nations uh, for an agency called OCHA, the Organization for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. And we help oversee all of the aid delivery in Iraq as the country is starting to rebuild after ISIS. Hi, my name is Rukhsana Bhaiji. I work for EY and I'm a diversity and inclusion consultant. I've been at EY for about four years now and I've been in diversity and inclusion for about seven years. I am also a mum. I have two boys. This is Annika again. Our last guest is actually another repeat guest from last month. Uh, We had Alexia Darko back on to talk more about networking because she had so many wonderful things to say about it. So this month, we're going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, which is networking. I am an extroverted person, so to me, networking is basically anything that happens when I step outside my door in the morning, but um, I think networking can sometimes uh, bring up uh, fear in people, or people sometimes will say to me, like, oh, networking is a dirty word, or it makes people feel really uncomfortable, so we talked to these women and wanted to just understand a bit more from them how they understand networking, how they network, and why networking is so important. Obviously, it wouldn't keep coming up if it weren't something that mattered. So just to kick things off, we asked, how do you define networking? We heard from Hillary on this question. For me, networking means meeting as many people as possible who might be able to help you in the future. I don't think that it's only meeting senior leadership in your field or famous people or even particularly well-known or important people. I mean, if you can, if you're able to, to get those people within your network, then that's such a bonus. But 
I have found that um, the thing to do is to reach out to as many people as possible doing things that you think are interesting and just kind of filing them away for later to see, you know, when and if your paths might cross in the future. Miranda gave us a definition for networking. Networking for me, I suppose, is the process of actively getting to know people, mainly for professional reasons, but not necessarily exclusively. And it's really that process of doing it consciously rather than just sort of meeting people randomly throughout your day-to-day life? So, at least from my experience, networking sounds hard and, like, this totally different skill from anything I've ever done before, and maybe even, like, a little bit skeezy. Like, you're like, oh, networking is what people do where they just, like, hand you a business card and, like, spend, like, five minutes, like, smooth-talking you, and then they're just gone, and, like, they call you in two weeks for a favor. But it's actually just getting to know people, You need to have a reason to speak to them. You have to show a genuine interest in what they do or what they're involved in. Just strike up a conversation and then you're done. You're networking. That is networking. It's just fostering a genuine connection with someone who works in a similar or a connected professional field. There are some stereotypes or some preconceived notions about networking that maybe make women hesitant to do it because it plays against ideas about how women should interact professionally or or natural strengths that women might have but honestly like you are socialized to be so social and networking is just another aspect of that just be just be professionally social and you're networking so maybe you still need to be convinced that you should network surely if you're the best person for the job you're going to get the job right I know that for a long time I believed that. I know that it's a really common thought if you haven't been working professionally for very long. But honestly, after you listen to everyone that we heard from for this episode, you're going to understand why networking is absolutely crucial to your career. We heard from Rukasana about her thoughts on why networking is so crucial. So when individuals are at ideally mid-career or any stage of their career, they should be analyzing their network and taking their time to really almost, I, I do a network mapping exercise on on some of my sessions um, as part of my diversity work um, focused on career capital. And in that network mapping exercise, we get individuals to identify the stakeholders that are in the, their network that they are close to, how strong their relationships are and how strong they want them to be. And also thinking about the next steps. So if they want to move to a different level What are they going to have to do and who are they going to have to connect with in order to build relationships to get there? So it's a really proactive way of building your network and understanding your network. And traditionally, that's something um, research has shown that some, some men are more kind of naturally prone to thinking of their network actively or quite often they don't even have to think about it. It just happens. Um, So at our firm specifically for women and individuals from an ethnic minority, it's something we we try and do proactively. Alexia's advice on why networking is so important was spot on. I mean, so the reality is that for most sectors, um, the majority of jobs are not publicly posted. Um, Studies show that 
something up to 70% of jobs are not publicly posted. And if so if you're looking for something and you're only looking at job descriptions uh, and job openings, you're missing out on a huge category of jobs that are available. And the way you found out, find out about those jobs is by knowing people. Um, you know, people are creatures of habit. You know, they want to uh, find other people who would be great for jobs without having to sort through 500 applications, 1,000 applications. And so they're more likely to pass around job descriptions in a smaller network um, before and, and maybe unless they have to go uh, public because they've found somebody through, through a network. Um, and so that's, that's one reason I think that networking is incredibly important. Um, and the other reason I would say is just that it, it really broadens your, your horizons. It gives you a better sense of jobs that are out there. I think, uh, you know, the, the academia is obviously wonderful. I'm, I'm an adjunct uh, instructor myself. Um, but I think there's only so much you can learn in the classroom about different professions. And so it's really getting out there and talking to people who are in those fields to figure out what it is that they love, what it is that they hate, um, that gives you a better sense of what areas you might want to pursue yourself. So you're convinced, you're like, all right, I'm going to give it a whirl. We're going to try networking. Now, who on earth should I be adding to my network? We also checked in with the women on this topic. And first, we heard from Alexia. Sure. I mean, I would definitely, you know, prioritize whatever, you know, sectors you're most interested in because you do have limited time. Um, so initially, I'd reach out to folks who have backgrounds, who have jobs that look interesting to you and, and, and focus on that. Um, but I think also a, a great way of networking, some people think they have to, you know, sort of reach out to someone on LinkedIn. Um, but you can also go to events that are on interesting topics um, that appeal to you. And then typically those events will have, you know, small receptions afterward, or you can at least exchange business cards and get to know people that way. Um, you know, so joining an association or going to a public event, and then connecting with people afterward, I think can be a, a useful way of, of meeting people who are like-minded, um, who you may not have known to look for based on, on profession or industry. I mean, you know, for me, I was a German studies major in college. And so I had no idea what I would do with that. I thought I was going to be a professor, but then I went overseas and I did a, a fellowship and I realized I really didn't want to sit in an archive and I didn't want to write books. I wanted to engage with people and be engaged in policy. Um, but I never would have reached out to those people in college just because I didn't even know that could be a career. Um, and so it was only by, by staying in Germany and working for a small think tank and coming into contact with people from all over the world and from all different different uh, sectors um, that I realized I should be talking to those people. Miranda had some thoughts about who to add to your network. So the most sort of underutilized perhaps type of person that can be in your network, especially when you're in the process of maintaining a network, is the person who sort of knows everyone. And they may not be in your particular field, um, or your exact sort of what you're looking for in your next job, they might be someone actually in a completely different industry. But someone who's open to people, to ideas, even to news stories, just someone who's constantly sort of open to opportunities and really enjoys as a person making connections, that's a usually a really useful person to keep in your network. Um, because they may not be able to sort of direct you to an opportunity immediately or every time. But in the long term, that's a kind of person that often can help you find the people and the opportunities that you never would have found any other way. 
those are the kinds of people that can help you find the out of the box things, which at least from what I've seen can sometimes actually be the most successful. Hillary's philosophy is essentially that you should be adding everyone to your network. We'll hear from her now. For me personally, I think the people you should be adding to your network is anyone you think is doing something interesting in either the field you are in or the field that you want to be in. Because I know a lot of the listeners of this podcast are people who may be trying to transition to a role in foreign policy or to change to a different role in this field. And I think sometimes we set our sights on the Amal Clooney's of the world, who of course are would be an amazing addition to anyone's network. But um, in the unlikely event you're able to, you know, add such uh, well-known people to your network. I think the first thing a, a lot of people forget, and especially a lot of women forget, is that your peers can be uh, your network, um, or even people that are kind of on the periphery of what you are doing and what you think is interesting. So I love reading newspapers. I'm a political junkie. I don't think I'm ever going to become a political reporter for any reason. But when I meet people that work in politics or work for newspapers, I always want to reach out. I always want to follow up because I don't know if they may be useful to me in the future. And I do think that international affairs and politics and the news are all intertwined. And so that's a good reason to reach out for them or to them, even if you don't know exactly how they're going to fit in. I think also People may not always be able to help you right now. Certainly that's true for me. I get I get asked by dozens of people, you know, by the month, by the week, strangers over LinkedIn, over Instagram, or someone puts me in touch over email saying, I'm really interested in doing this. Can you help? And sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can't think of any contacts I have in that field that might be useful, but I don't mind being part of that person's network uh, because maybe I'll need them for something in the future or maybe in a month or two, an opportunity will pass my way and I'll, I'll remember them and I'll think, okay, I could just forward this email. You know, it's easy for me to do that. So I think that is something that people forget. It's not only about who can I talk to to get me my next job. It's, you know, it's about how many people can I add to my network that may be able to influence my life in the future. We also asked all of our guests, if you could tell everyone at every networking event just one thing, like if you have the mic for one second and you can just announce to everyone one thing, what would you announce? Alexia had a really good answer to this question. Relax. I think everybody's always so stressed out and and there's the sense that it's about quantity and not about quality, that you're on a mission to collect as many business cards as you can and hand out as many business cards as you can. And it becomes this very, um, you know, stressful environment. It's almost like a a human zoo in some ways. Um, So I would say relax, um, sort of go into situations knowing what you want to get out, out of them. Um, when you're tired, just leave, you know, even if you haven't handed out all those cards or met everybody, um, you know, just, just disconnect, know that there's going to be another event, uh, for you. 
Um, and, and, you know, take it easy on yourself. I think, um, it's good to, to practice networking, to go to, to easier events, maybe with, um, you know, with people who are more in your sector, in your demographic at first, because you have, uh, it'll be easier to connect. You'll have more in common and then sort of, you know, scale up to, to more difficult encounters. Um, but really know yourself and, and practice networking. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's something that I think, sometimes people feel we should just know how to do, but it's actually something that requires practice. Um, and so, you know, be patient with yourself as you practice, uh, you know, do it a lot, um, be sincere. I think it's, it's really helpful. Again, if you don't feel this pressure to, um, hand out or collect business cards, you're more likely to, to listen. Um, and I find, you know, I, myself, if I go to a networking event, um, well, recently, it's been more that people are asking me questions. And so um, I actually don't do as much of the approaching. But, uh, you know, thinking back a couple of years ago, I would focus on maybe having like three or four meaningful conversations maximum in an hour, and then calling it quits. Um, I think if you if you make a deeper connection, if you get beyond the sort of superficial chatter of, you know, where are you from? What's your job? What do you do? Um, then you are more likely to remember that person, they're more likely to remember you, and then you can you can build on it. It's not like you have to do everything at one time. I think a lot of people feel like I, I have to like sign, seal and deliver this, this, you know, networking relationship right here. And the reality is, you know, you collect a card, you say hi, you exchange some thoughts. And then if it seems like there may be a connection, you reach back to them, you have a coffee, maybe you have a lunch, um, but you give it time and don't feel like you have to do everything right there. And it makes everybody more comfortable. Miranda's answer was also really fun and interesting. So this is perhaps a counterintuitive response. Um, but my advice at a networking event would be know what your goals are. What is your, what are you trying to get out of that event? Make sure that that's top of mind before you even walk into the event. And that goal might be, I want to meet this specific person who I know is going to be there or someone from this particular organization or company. But it also might be broader than that. It might be saying, I want to meet three interesting new people or I want to give out seven of my business cards and receive seven in return that I can follow up with. Whatever your goal at that moment in your job search and your career might be, I find that networking events are both so much more useful and also so much less stressful if when you go in, you know exactly why you're there that night and what you're trying to get out of it. I have to be honest, I don't know how many formal networking events I've ever been to, but now that I've heard their advice, I kind of want to go to one. They sound weirdly fun. Um, we also, now that we know some things that we should do and who we, who we should be adding to our network, we also wanted to check in like we did on the mentorship episode about what are common mistakes people make and, and what are the sort of don'ts of networking. Rukasana shared some tips about don'ts of networking. I, th I think that the main don't is don't worry about it. <laughs> Because a lot of individuals, and I was the same, I think, when I was starting out with networking and um, probably much younger, I, I used to worry about going to an event and having to speak to people that I didn't know and the whole room was full of strangers. And what I tended to do was stick to somebody that I knew and then not make an effort to move from conversation to conversation. So the main don't would be don't worry about it. Um, 
and just go and enjoy it and have good conversations with people and and that might start off with um in the very Brit- this is very british way but talking about the weather so it's snowing you know and usually that leads to other things in terms of you know what you're doing what your interests are what you're passionate about so the main thing would be don't worry hillary's response when she talked about what not to do with networking gave me so much to think about So for me, it is, um, for me personally, I I wouldn't want to speak for everybody, but for me, it is, um, it is when people uh, reach out and ask you for help and then you give it and then you never hear from them again. I mean, this happens to me constantly. Like I said, I get a lot of unsolicited requests for help, people that want to break into international law, people that want to transition to something else, people that want to live abroad. Can I please help? And I answer these queries all day long through LinkedIn. Some people contact me on Instagram, um, from emails if someone's gotten my, you know, my card from somewhere. And I would say one out of 10 times, somebody actually first acknowledges that I've even answered their query and and then secondly says, thank you. Nine out of 10 times, I never hear from them again. And then I just am extremely frustrated because I think, why did I take the time to do that. Um, and I, and it is largely younger people that that happens. And I, I guess here, I mean, millennials, people in their mid twenties. Um, and it, you know, I, I would love to be in my mid twenties again. So I, it, I, I have nothing against millennials, but I think there can be an entitlement, um, that, that they have grown used to, or because just the world is a more informal place, um, than it was. And I'm, I'm in my late thirties. So it's, it's just a different, just having that much of a break means that it was just a different scene when I was coming up. Um, And watching this happen and experience this, it makes me very frustrated because then maybe you've poisoned the well for people in the future. Maybe the next time somebody reaches out to ask me for help, um, I'm going to think no, because it's what a waste of time. Like the last three times I did this, they didn't even say thank you. Um, So I think that's a big part of it. I mean, that is just common decency and, Uh, you know, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. So maybe they're just busy or maybe they're stressed or maybe they're taking, you know, uh, uh, entrance exam for grad school or or anything. But if you've asked me for help and I've given it, um, please just say thank you. Please just say, I appreciate your time. And, and part of that, again, is just kind of making the world a better place, like paying it forward a little bit and showing common decency and, and not poisoning the well for the people that are, that are coming up behind you. I think another thing that I would really like to emphasize is that if you are fortunate enough to get an introduction to someone, you know, important in your field or noteworthy in your field, or you've called in a favor and you've asked someone to please introduce you to this prominent person and they are actually able to do it, please do not screw it up by making the scheduling difficult. I, I cannot tell you the number of times um, I've seen it with personally with me, although I wouldn't consider myself prominent or important, but, you know, but I am working in the field that people want to work in. So the number of times that I agree to do favors for friends and I say, sure, I'm happy to have coffee with this person. Um, and then they make the scheduling so difficult. They tell me, oh, I'm available on uh, Tuesdays at four, if you can call me this time. Well, I don't, I don't really care when you're available. Like what matters is when I'm available because I'm the one that has the information that you want. So what you should do is say, you know, when are you available? And I'll be sure to make myself available. But I, 
I've seen it so many times, um, or you do, you know, you have these tortured long back and forth email negotiations about when you can meet and then people cancel at the last minute. The the person who is looking for mentorship will write and say, oh, really sorry. It looks like I'm going to be busy at work today, so I can't make it. I mean, I will never answer your email again. Like, I, I don't care if you're busy at work that day. Like, if you want my time, please let me know that you value it. Um, or for people, you know, that are much more prominent than me and what they do, like they're doing you a favor. They are doing you a favor by agreeing to meet. So uh, please just show the common courtesy to to show that you value their time. And I, I, it seems to me it's frustrating that I'm even saying this to you because I, I don't want to say it. I want to believe that everyone's, you know, acting in the best possible way, but my own personal experience just has not borne this out. And again, it, it's largely younger people and I, um, maybe millennials. And I, I actually think it's inexperience. I, I never think it's bad intentions, but I'm just here. If I can save you from making that mistake in the future, you know, please just know that if you've been lucky enough to get this introduction, that person is doing you a favor. So make it as easy as possible for them to do you a favor. So there is a friend of mine who is just like one of the best networkers I know. She can do an afternoon of networking calls and have five freelance gigs or like two job offers or just like a ridiculous amount of work lined up. And when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking, oh, wow, I'd love to pick her brain and figure out like what makes her the excellent networker that she is. And ultimately, we did that. It's Miranda. She's here on this episode. Um, and I'm really glad that we got to talk to her and kind of dig into what she considers the characteristics that make her one of the best networkers I know. But then I also turned that into a question for the rest of our experts. What characterizes the best networkers you know? How can you build skills around networking based on what you know about those people? How do you practice networking? Rukasana identified a couple of characteristics that are very useful for a networker. Good networkers, I think, essentially um, have a couple of skills. They are good at building relationships. And what I mean by that is if, if they meet with someone or have a connection with someone, they will follow up with that individual. So if you're at a networking event or you've met someone in a meeting, it is really important to think about the follow-up. How are you going to follow up with that individual? It might be a connection on LinkedIn with a personalized message and then keeping in touch from time to time. So making your LinkedIn network meaningful, as well as if it's in your actual organization, thinking about how you can connect with that individual. Is there something you can follow up with? Is there something you can share with them? So I think the really good networkers that I've met in my life have been individuals that have made an effort and understood the importance of the follow-up. The, the main thing is just that to, um, you could practice with friends, with colleagues, and that might be in the same way that you would practice an interview, practice networking skills if it's something that you really need to work on. But the main thing is just do it, get out there, get to events, meet different people. And if it's social media, connect with someone, say, can I meet you for a coffee? If you seen someone doing great work or you're interested in something someone's doing let them know um, let them know that you're interested and that you you find it fascinating and you may want to meet meet for a coffee and quite often people people are generally really good-hearted and they'll be flattered and will no doubt say yes I think that curious mindset is so important 
having the, um, a growth mindset, knowing, and this is something from Carol Dweck, the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. A growth mindset just allows individuals to be more curious. Their frame of reference and perspective will be almost enriched with the influence of other perspectives. Hillary also had some great advice for developing a great networking skill set. Modern careers are not are not linear. It's you're not going to do this for two years and then become senior manager and then become the director. It's so rare. There's going to be a million lateral moves, or and you might try and do something for six months because you think it's interesting, and then it doesn't work out, and then maybe you'll come back and do something different. But if you don't have a wide network to reach out to when you're look, getting ready to make your next move, you are going to be at a really big disadvantage from other people. I think networking is different than what so many people think it is. Uh, it is not, um, you know, these uh, movies from the 1990s or these sitcoms where you have to go to an awkward happy hour um, after work and talk to a bunch of bankers because you might want to work in banking one day or go to a legal conference because, you know, you, you're studying for the bar. All of those things work also. I, I think any opportunity is a good is a good opportunity for networking. But uh, for me, there's certain characteristics of people that are good networking. And one of them is basically, please just show up, like show up to things, even if you don't feel like going, because none of us ever feel like going anywhere these days. The, the world is so easy to burrow in um, and binge Netflix and just look at things and scroll through Instagram and just kind of cocoon around yourself and just think, okay, I'll just do it next time because it's just too hard right now and it's much more comfortable to stay here and I'm a little bit shy and I don't really feel like going. I don't really feel like going either. And I'm an extremely extroverted person. Um, it's not difficult for me to walk into a room of strangers, um, but it is difficult to me for me to convince myself to leave the house because I also want to sit around in my pajama pants and watch Netflix. But if there's something happening that you think is interesting, just go, go for half an hour, make small talk, make sure at least, you know, one person will remember you. And because I think in a lot of ways, it, it is a numbers game. It, it can be like, sadly, like the modern dating scene in that you do just have to kind of put yourself out there as much as possible. Um, and it doesn't always feel natural and maybe nothing comes of it. Maybe it's the biggest waste of your time, but I, I can't see any downsides to going out um, and just trying and making the effort because again, like the brand is yourself. You're out there trying to tell people why you're so great. And if you're hiding at home or I understand people have demanding jobs and nobody feels like doing anything after working a really long day, but it, you know, make the effort, go for half an hour, just to do something different, just to put yourself out there, just to kind of tempt the universe into action. Um, so that kind of, there's enough energy out there so that people know that you're serious, that, that you're serious about finding the next thing that you want to do. Alexia also had some really great advice on this subject. Sure. Yeah, I can think of a, a number of them. Um, and what's interesting is that they're they're all very different. Um, 
So I would say, um, you know, there's sort of like, like archetypes of, of, of good networkers. I think one is sort of the, like the social butterfly who's, you know, we've all seen that person They're They're fun. They're engaging. They're funny. They come into a room and people just want to talk to them. Um, so those people, um, and then there are the people who are, I think a little bit quieter. They're, they're really sincere. They really want to get to know you. Um, and that's a little bit more, I would call them sort of like the, the humble networker almost, um, and they, they almost make you feel more like it's about you and not about them, but they're, they're clearly doing networking for themselves as well. Um, those I, I think tend to be sort of like the, the, the two extremes for me and there's a lot in the middle. And, and what's interesting I've found is that, um, often those two extremes are more similar than you might expect because even the people who are outwardly very extroverted often are, are, are still introverted and they, they sort of like, you know, spread their wings when they go to these networking events, but then they also need quiet time to themselves. Um, so I would say never, never stereotype necessarily what someone's going to be based on their, um, their behavior in a networking session because people put on different personas. Um, I would say even with those two different examples, uh, what, what I characteristically always see as a strong networker is someone who is, who's articulate, um, but doesn't dominate the conversation. Someone who's also a very, very good listener who makes you feel like they are paying attention to you. Um, and this is maybe even more obvious now in like the cell phone era, but you know, even before that there, you, you could tell like someone would, would pay attention to you. They wouldn't be looking at their watch. Um, they would actually, you know, sort of pick up on, on comments that you made and take the conversation further instead of just sort of nodding their head and saying, yes. Um, now it's even more obvious because, you know, if someone's looking at their phone or doing other things, you just know that they're not engaged. Um, and so I would say that, um, people who really truly connect and, and make time and focus on the conversation at hand and, you know, not the person who's looking to, to escape, you know, by, by saying they have to go to the bathroom or get another glass of wine or, you know, saying they see somebody they know, <laughs> um, you know, those are good escape strategies if you do them eloquently or ele elegantly, but, uh, you know, really focusing in on the moment, um, and, and giving each person, uh, you know, their, their time. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I, I, as an extrovert, I consider networking basically every time I walk out the front door. And we actually asked a couple of our guests to unpack that concept a little bit more. And we wondered, what are some ways to network that aren't as obvious that maybe people haven't thought about if they haven't been building professional relationships for a while, or if like me, they haven't really been to a lot of professional networking events, what are some kind of hidden networks that people can tap into? Rukasana had an excellent response to this question. Yeah, I think networking has changed from um, days of past when networking maybe was centered around um, an after work social or after work events. I think we're we're becoming more dynamic, um, probably across EMEA. We're, we're starting to network in different ways and we've global mobility and the rise of social media, networking, um, the, the rules have changed of networking. So it could be um, networking at physical events, and that might be industry events. It might be events, um, you know, social events where, you know, you're there because you're interested in a topic, or it could be on social media. Networking on social media has become a really powerful way to connect with people in an industry or an organization that you you know that you're interested in, 
Um, you can gain insight into people's um, current thinking, what's on their mind, what thought leadership are they putting out, and then base your networking around, you know, what, what you think the individual is interested in. There are just so many ways to meet and connect with people now, and physical space isn't is no longer a barrier. Hillary also had some ideas about different ways to network that maybe aren't quite as obvious. I also think that um, if you haven't networked in a while and if you're still like very nervous about going to kind of big staged events, um, it can be smaller things. I met uh, Lucy, the founder of Women in Foreign Policy, kind of at a public event. Um, I had gotten up to ask a question, and this is one of my like major tips for networking, which doesn't involve necessarily speaking to other people. But if you're at a speaking event and, you, and there's someone on stage and when it comes time for Q&A, like raise your hand, raise your hand and ask a question. And it's OK if you're nervous and it's OK if you don't think your question's very good and it's OK if you stutter a little bit. But all you're trying to do, again, as we discussed earlier, is elevate yourself. Like you're trying to make yourself stand out from the crowd. So maybe somebody remembers your question, but maybe they don't. But maybe they just remembered that you stood up and said something. So they'll come up to you afterwards and they'll say, oh, are you in this field too or something? And then you kind of have an automatic way to um, begin speaking to that person. So again, it's just how do you pop? You make yourself pop and make yourself stand out from the crowd a little bit. And what happened at this event is I asked a question. Um, Lucy came up to me afterwards. I couldn't tell you what we talked about. I don't remember what event it was. I don't remember what I said. But we agreed to go later and um, meet for breakfast at, at a, a hotel before work in a couple days time. And um, and then after that, she started Women in Foreign Policy. And I was among one of the first people that she interviewed for it. Um, and that was both good for me and good for her. It, it raised my profile. And it gave her something to hang her hat on to say like, okay, these people have already been interviewed. Let's go. And you know, do you have any friends that you would suggest? And then I can repay the favor. And I can suggest other women that I think are amazing. And then they get the benefit of being profiled. And she gets the benefit of more content. So it can be a super symbiotic thing. Um, so you don't have to just go and ask people to give you a job. Networking can be something so much bigger than that. We also wondered, are there any downsides of networking? Is there anything that genuinely is a drawback? Miranda had some interesting thoughts on that. Uh, there are definitely downsides of networking. Not that I necessarily think you should not do it, um, but there are some things to be aware of. First of all, it's exhausting. And that sounds silly and trivial, but it really is something that's important to make sure that you leave the time and sort of mental energy for. Um, having lots of networking meetings or even going to one large event or even spending an entire Saturday sending out emails, that's not trivial energy and deserves to be thought of as actual work time that you need to build relaxation and fun and rewards around. Um, especially if you're networking while also doing full-time study or full-time jobs. Um, you really do have to set aside time for networking in order to get the goals out of it that you want. Um, it's not really something that you can just sort of say, oh, when I've got a free moment, I'll get around to it, because you probably never will. The other thing I would say is a downside to networking is that you do have to get used to sort of connections that you're hoping for, opportunities you're hoping for, not necessarily panning out. A lot of what I've seen of networking, the benefit I've seen of networking is often a lot more indirect than we would hope, where you meet someone who then introduces you to someone who then introduces you to a third person 
who then suggests that you apply for a job rather than it happening the first time with the first connection. With networking, be aware that it will take more time and energy than you may think and make sure to plan and budget around that. But second, make sure that your expectations for networking, both in terms of what you want to get out of, get out of networking, but also in terms of the timeline. Networking can be a great way to get jobs, but it's not something that necessarily means you will get a job immediately or even in the next week, two weeks or month. It's something that you have to invest time and energy into and be aware and okay with the fact that the path between networking and job success may not be as direct or immediate as you would hope for. And finally, we're going to end the story from Miranda about a positive networking experience that she had. Um, So networking can sometimes work really well. And again, sometimes it can work unexpectedly. Uh, One of the first times I ever actually did quote, real networking. Um, I was looking for a summer internship. I had a general idea of the field that I was interested in, but it was my first real internship. So I felt I didn't really have a lot of skills or knowledge to offer. I was feeling quite unconfident about it. Um, And I started asking around my professors to my parents to kind of random people, um, if anyone knew anyone in this particular field at all. And I had sort of regional and topic-based interests that I, at the time, thought that that's really what I wanted to go on. But really, I was, I'm new, I can't really be that picky. So anyone you could possibly introduce me to was sort of my ask. And someone I really had not expected to know anyone in this field whatsoever said, oh yeah, I know this person through this thing, why don't you go talk to him? And I'd never heard of this particular person, but I looked him up and he was in an organization that I was interested in. And he did really interesting work that wasn't directly related to what I thought I wanted to do, but was nevertheless quite interesting. And so I said, sure. And so this person connected me with this other person um, and I went to D.C. to meet this person. And I don't really think I'd ever been to D.C. I'd never really done networking. Um, I was wearing the blazer, my blazer from high school. It was It was stressful. Um, But I went in for this meeting and I think it was meant to be about 20 minutes long, just sort of my goal going in was to impress this person enough that he would recommend me to others in his organization that were more in the area I thought I wanted to work on. Um, I knew this particular person was not in any sort of internship related program. He didn't take interns. His program didn't take interns. So I was like, well, the best I can get is that He'll mention me to his colleague, you know, three floors down. And so I went into the meeting and came out about an hour later with him sort of looking at me going, do you want to work for me? And I was like, of of course, yes. Are you serious? And he said, sure. Uh, And so I sent him a follow-up email that night when I got back to school. And he said, yeah, I'd really like for you to work for me. Um, And I then didn't hear from him for four months, which meant that I didn't know if that was real or not. Um, But then in May, he sent an email through HR and it turned out it was real. And that's how I got my first summer internship, which uh, was amazing. I ended up working for him for two years and he's still a mentor of mine to this day. I honestly think that I learned a lot from this episode personally. Again, to a certain extent, I think this whole series is just wish fulfillment on at least my part. Like I get to go to these brilliant women and ask them all of the questions about like professional development that I've never gotten to ask all at once. 
I get all of these different and interesting perspectives that I can apply to both my professional life and that I can also have the opportunity to share with our podcast audience and with the women in foreign policy team. And I think that's just really massively valuable. And to a certain extent, that in and of itself is an act of networking. I mean, I have a lot of great professional contacts now from working with women in foreign policy. And I have a a much more robust network of people who work in, in the foreign policy fields that I'm interested in because I took on this podcasting project. And I think, you know, as much fun as Annika and I have in, in building this podcast, we also are networking and, you know, getting to know Annika was kind of an act of networking. And, you know, now we're, I consider us friends and I feel like we have like a relationship beyond the professional, but I also think like, Initially, we were. We were just networking, and that's great. And that kind of speaks to how relationships can grow and evolve and change over time. And I think that it's important to remember that like, networking is just making professional friends. Yeah, I totally agree, Ashley. And I love when Hillary, in, in our conversation, she said, most of networking is just reminding people that you exist. And I think it's so true. I remember I learned a few years ago about this concept called weak ties. I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but it's basically this idea that as we develop more weak ties, so maybe um, there are people that you met once or you've met twice or you've had coffee with a couple of times, maybe all you've done is exchange a few messages on LinkedIn, that, that's a weak tie to that person. And then the next time that you're going and you're looking for a job or you're looking for an academic opportunity, or maybe you're hiring someone and you're looking for somebody to fill a position, you then can go to all of your weak ties and you're that much more likely to find somebody who's a great fit or to find a position that's a great fit for you. Uh, I think often it can feel slightly uncomfortable because we're used to building strong ties, right? Like we're used to building friendships. And like Ashley said, like we've become friends now. But when we started also, we were kind of weakly tied to one another. And I think being okay and having a certain comfort level with those weak ties is really important and really at the, at the core or at the root of networking. Um, I'm definitely biased and I love it, but I've really gotten every single job I've had out of networking and, and out of just building relationships with people. So I hope that this convinced some of you to, to network a bit more and whether that's going to events or as some of the women recommended, just practicing with friends, going out to dinner with people, becoming a little bit more comfortable with reaching out to folks. I really hope you'll do that. And if you do, let's say a year down the road, maybe you're inspired by this and you get your dream job, don't forget to tell us about it because we want to brag about all of your success to the rest of the community. We love to hear what happens. Beyond that, though, we want to hear what you think about the podcast. Uh, as always, we'd love for this to be a conversation, so come talk to us on the internet. Uh, we will be back at the end of March with our next episode, which is going to be on the transition from school life into the professional life, um, also a part of this professional development series, which I have to say I love so much. Um, again, as Ashley mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you have any other questions or topics that you want to hear discussed, or if you have any specific questions about the transition from school to the professional world, please let us know. We're on Twitter, we're on email, we're everywhere on the internet. 
Uh, our Twitter account is at women in FP. So that's our organization's account. Um, and then both of us are also on Twitter and Instagram with our individual uh, handles. So mine is at Annika EP, at A-N-N-I-K-A-E-P. I am also on Instagram and Twitter at Vaguely Academic. As we've mentioned, we would love to hear from you. And if you like the work we're doing, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast app you use. Another thing that you can do is actually to leave us a review on whatever podcast type of subscription service that you are on. Leaving reviews is really helpful and it allows other people to come and find us. So if you got the time, we'd really appreciate it. Finally, Opening up our network is really important to us at Women in Foreign Policy. So we have imagined a series of intimate events where you can meet amazing women in the field and flex your networking muscles to actually go out and practice some of the stuff that we have been talking about in this episode. So we we would love to see you in person at these at these events. So if you are interested, please sign up to the newsletter to be the first one to know about it, to get all the information. All those details are always on the newsletter. Also, the newsletter, in my opinion, is just awesome. Please share with your friends, share with your colleagues, share with your you know, peers at school. And finally, if the work we do means a lot to you, we'd ask you to consider supporting us via PayPal at lmgoulet, which is spelled L-M-G-O-U-L-E-T, or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. We are an all-volunteer organization. Um, Annika and I do not get compensated for our time. And so any support you can give us just helps us to make women in foreign policy even better. We are really grateful to have the opportunity to do this work and to have this platform. And it's only from the support we get from listeners and women in foreign policy members like you that we get to continue doing this work. And finally, we have a new podcast assistant helping us on the podcast, and we're super excited to know her and so grateful for all of her help. So thank you so much, Nina. We really appreciate it. We so appreciate and value your time. Thank you for spending it with us, and we're excited to talk to you again next month. Bye!